Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back in my, what I consider my second church home besides Concord. I love coming here, love getting to be with you, hear your stories, uh, find out more about you, and it's, uh, it's good to be back home again. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, just one verse this morning, John 17, 17, but we're going to look at uh, also a little bit of a bigger context in which that verse uh, resides. So if you have a Bible, turn there to John 17, 17. Since we're going to be talking about truth this morning, I've got a couple of true-false questions for you. True or false, Mickey Mouse's original first name was Mortimer. True? It's true, yeah. Uh, Facebook is not as popular as it used to be. True or false? No. False. More people are coming back to Facebook, actually, in the last year. True or false, the national animal of uh, Scotland is the unicorn. It's true. Yeah. Uh, True or false, almost 30% of all Americans are self-employed. Yeah, it's true. True or false, the Great Wall of China is visible from outer space. False. That's one of those sort of urban myths that uh, we've bought into, I think. Uh, It is becoming harder to know what is and isn't true anymore. I think we suffer from a pandemic, and it's a pandemic of the lack of truth, not a COVID pandemic. But the COVID pandemic didn't help when it comes to the aspect of truth with the Center for Disease Control, with Dr. Fauci, with once-trusted pharmaceutical companies, with uh, once or maybe never trusted politicians. We have a hard time now even more knowing what is truth. Probably many of us during the time of COVID have felt a little bit like Pilate standing before Jesus asking, what is truth? truth. And politicians certainly have not helped. If you listen to the last uh, debate or interview, you probably wonder, what are they saying that's true as you sort through all of it? The biggest problem that we face as a country and as a culture is the aspect of truth, knowing what is and isn't true, knowing what to believe and not to believe, knowing what is sure and what is not sure. We've blurred the meaning of truth many times with the different words that we use. Uh, We can't define male or female anymore. 
We have a hard time knowing what the word is. Is. In 1994, I believe it was, a movie came out entitled True Lies. What is that? And recently, a television program with the same name has come forth. We talk about half lies, little white lies, alternative facts, and untruths. We've created and we have accepted shades of truth. But this is not a new problem. In the 1960s, <clears throat> theologians began to talk once again about uh, the truth of scriptures. I believe it was uh, Francis Schaeffer who coined the words true, truth, to distinguish the word of God from all other truths because it's an absolute truth. Today you have people saying, well, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth. That's simply a sly way of saying there is no absolute truth that we can count on. And oftentimes it's easier to find lies than it is to identify truths. Uh, take, for example, our Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger catechism, uh, question 145, uh, explains what uh, the, the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness, is talking about. And it lists such things as damaging the truth or the good name of our neighbor or our own, giving false evidence, pleading for an evil cause, causing, calling evil good and good evil. Boy, is that one applicable today. Rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous. Forgery concealing the truth, not speaking up for a just cause, speaking the truth at the wrong time or maliciously, not correcting a lie when we hear it, speaking untruth, slandering, backbiting, whispering, scoffing, misconstruing intentions, words, or actions. Boy, does that one apply today. Flattering, boasting, thinking or speaking too highly or too lowly of ourselves or others. Hiding or excusing sins when we ought to confess them. Raising false rumors, passing along false rumors. Receiving and accepting evil reports, evil suspicions, envying discrediting someone, breaking promises. I bet you didn't realize what all constitutes lies. Have you ever stopped to wonder why do we even have a full commandment about truth? The ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. It gets to the very core of who our God is. God at his very being is a God of truth. He does the truth. He speaks the truth. He is the truth. 
It's at the very core of who Jesus Christ is or else he wouldn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we're following Jesus and we want to tell people about the real, the true way to him, to his word, to heaven, to forgiveness, how will people believe us if we ourselves are not people of the truth? And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. If truth is so crucial, then should we be surprised that Jesus actually prays for his disciples, that they be people of truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is from what's sometimes called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus that we have in Scripture. And you might look at that prayer and think, oh, that's sort of a, maybe a cynical or it's a, a hopeless prayer. But it's anything but that. This is a very triumphant prayer and request, a very confident, a very joyful request on Jesus' part, a prayer that Jesus fully expects God to answer, not some wishful thinking. This recurring theme is in the whole prayer of Jesus here, a prayer about both Jesus' and his disciples' relationship in the world. We look at uh, verse 11, and Jesus is about to leave this world. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Spirit, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. You notice Jesus doesn't ask, take them out of the world with me. He's saying, leave them in the world, but make them distinct. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Well, what does sanctify mean? It means set apart, make different, make special. What is it that should set us apart from the rest of the world? Is it not that we are people of truth? that we live the truth, that we speak the truth, that we share the truth? How will people believe the way to God if we are not people of truth? Because truth is serious to Jesus. He's given us all that we need to be people of truth. Truth is a big deal to Jesus, and it ought to be a big deal to us. The world, under the influence of the devil, downplays the truth all the time. If you want to see <clears throat> the consequences of <clears throat> not speaking the truth, all we have to do is look at 
what's happened in our world as a result of what we read in Genesis chapter 3. The consequences of Adam and Eve believing a lie from the devil, uh, it doesn't matter if you disobey, you'll still live, everything's going to be great in fact. Jesus gives us in this little verse two things that we need in order to be and to become people of the truth. And the first one of those, of those is that we need a standard <clears throat> of truth. We need a starting point for the truth. We need a measuring stick or a, a yardstick, so to speak, for the truth. Something that's accurate that we can count on, that we can put everything else beside and see if it's true, if it's straight or not. If it's perfectly true. And we have that. We have that in the Scriptures. We have that in God's Word. We have the measuring stick that we need to know what is and what isn't truth. This is the first thing we ought to go to if we want to know what's true and what's not true in any particular circumstance or situation. The Scriptures are God's Word. They're inerrant, without error, completely without error. Why? Because God speaks and does the truth. He never lies. Sometimes it is hard to know what is true. In our society especially, how do we, I don't know if you find yourself ever asking yourself this question, how do I get to the bottom of this? Well, here's the bottom. Here's the truth that we start with. And then we go from here. God's Word is completely, perfectly, accurately true. How do we know that? Because Jesus says so right here, right? Thy Word is truth. Now, if Jesus is wrong, then He died for His own sins on the tree. And our sin is not covered. And if Jesus is wrong, why would we follow Him? Anyway, do you see why it is so crucial that we believe in absolute truth and that we believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth? If we don't have that, we don't have any standard for accuracy, for certainty. All we have are just maybes possibilities, could-be's, opinions. That's it. This verse, I think, tells us what kind of relationship we ought to have with the Word. It says, uh, sanctify them in your truth according to the Greek version. Now, that Greek word can mean in, with, or by, and I think it actually means every one of those. First of all, uh, God works by His Word. Truth is kind of like a tool. The Word is kind of like a tool. It is that measuring rod. It is that yardstick 
that we put things up against. It's like a compass that directs us to what is true. It's like a, a tele, telescope or a microscope that brings closer the truth so that we can see it. It's also like a scalpel that uh, God uses to cut through all of the falsehood in our own lives and to expose where there's, there are lies that we have believed, that we have fostered, that we have even maybe foisted on other people. God can use the scriptures in all kinds of ways to help us to see what's true and what is not true. God works with the truth of his scriptures. He always works in conjunction with his word, never apart from it. He uses the truth. He never speaks anything but the truth. It means that we have to use it also. When God uses his word, he's using it to build an honest heart in us as well as in other people. And that means when God uses his word and works with his word, there's going to have to be confession for us because God's going to point out those places in our lives where there isn't truth and we're not living by the truth. And we have to admit that, that apart from him, there's no truth in us. As John the Apostle says in the first chapter of his letter, uh, if we say there's no sin in our lives, there's no truth in us. So there has to be confession when God uses his word for us. And for all of this to happen, it means that we have to be in his word. We need to be saturating ourselves with his word. We need to be almost literally surrounded by it, swimming in his word. Uh, having it all around us to influence us. And I think that maybe that could point out some of the best times for us to be in his word. Uh, one of my favorite lines from movies is when Elf says to uh, Santa Claus, you sit on a throne of lies. Remember that phrase? Well, we live in a land of lies all around us. And when we're out in the world every day, it comes into us. We, we accept things as truth when they're not. And so when we come away from the world in the evening, that's a great time to begin saturating ourselves and being in God's Word for truth, almost like bathing in it, almost like taking a shower in it so that it can clean us up, so that it can point out the dirt, and it can take it away so that God can begin transforming us. So maybe evening, just as before you go to bed, it would be a great time to be in God's Word and to have God's Word coming into you as well. Now, if you think that sounds easy, if you think what I'm saying, well, take two verses and go to bed. Uh, read God's Word for five minutes. 
10 minutes, whatever amount it is, and you're going to be okay. If you think that's what I'm saying, you've missed a very important point. You've missed the most important ingredient that God gives to us for the truth to become a part of our life, and that is the Savior himself. Jesus here says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is praying that God work in us his truth. Now, if you were going to pray for somebody, let's say they're getting ready to go on a plane, go a long distance or whatever, um, what would you pray for them? Well, safety and all of that. Get what Jesus is praying for his followers here. He's praying this high priestly prayer before he gets ready to go to the cross, to face death, to die, and then to be raised again. This is the thing that he considers the most important. This is the best thing that he could possibly pray for his followers, that God be working truth in their lives. And so, we need a Savior praying for us for the truth. As I said before, you notice Jesus doesn't ask God to take the disciples out of the world, to distance them from the world. He prays that God will make them distinct from the world, separate, different. One clear way to be different is to be people of truth. We've said that truth is a premium in our world and in our country today. To speak truthfully, to deal truthfully, to stand up for the truth, those are the things that are going to set God's people apart from everybody else around them. But the thing to remember is that lying and falsehood are not just out there. They're in us. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, we have inherited the consequences of that original sin. And part of that is a lying nature. You remember how Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the human heart is exceedingly wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? You ever notice that it doesn't take children very long to learn how to lie? They don't have to be taught that. It just comes. We have a deceitful heart. And so that heart is going to have to be changed, transformed. Did you know that in the last 10 years, there have been 31,238 heart transplants? Do you know how many of those were performed by the patient himself or herself? None. What does that tell you? We need God to do that.
for us and in us. And therefore, we need somebody praying for that to be done. We don't know what to pray for. You remember, and this happens either before or right after this, Jesus says to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you. But I have prayed for you. And what's Peter's response? Not me. I would never betray you. Yeah, all of those out there, those other disciples, they might. But not me. And what does Jesus say three times before the cock crows? You will deny me three times. Jesus didn't know, uh, Peter didn't know his own heart, but Jesus did. We don't know our own hearts. We don't know where the lies are that we have believed or that we have done. Jesus can sort those out. In a military, in a battle, the one who has the high ground controls everything simply because they're able to see the battlefield and to know how to call in the reinforcements and the help. Well, guess who has the highest ground in the battlefield that matters the most? Jesus sitting beside the Father on the throne of grace. He knows how to pray for us that God would sanctify us by the truth. Romans 8 says we don't know what to pray for. So the Holy Spirit prays for us. We need a Savior who knows everything about us, who knows the truth about us, who knows the lies and the tactics of the devil, and who knows how to pray for us. You notice uh, in your bulletin the title of my sermon is Truth or Consequences. That goes back to a game show, the very, actually the very first game show on um, uh, on television was in 1940. It was called Truth or Consequences. And it was in and out until 1988. 48 years. The premise of the program was that the contestant was asked some impossible trivia question that they couldn't possibly know the answer to. And so they would uh, give some answer and then Beulah the buzzer would sound. <laughs> And then they had to perform a consequence. And usually the consequence was some embarrassing stunt. And they would have to do that. You and I, whether we realize it or not, we are in a game of truth or consequence, and the consequences are life-threatening, serious, because they affect whether other people get to hear the Word of God and know the way to truth. They affect us. They affect our nation. 
So we're not talking about just a game. We're talking about something serious here, something to be concerned about and to begin to ask God to do something about it. We started off with me asking some true or false statements. I'm going to finish with a few more. True or false? We have a truth problem. True or false? Our hearts are addicted to lying. True or false? Only God can fix our hearts. True or false? God has supplied us everything that we need through the scriptures and through his Savior for us to become people of truth. True. True or false? So we need to saturate ourselves more and more with the scriptures and to be depending on our Savior more and more to be praying for us for that quality in our lives. True. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that there is one place in this crazy, mixed-up, screwy world where we can go to to find the truth. Father, forgive us when we go to other places, when we open up our newspapers, our magazines, we go to uh, some website, whatever it is, and look for the truth there. And Father, forgive us because we have not always been speakers and doers of the truth. Make us hungry for your word again. And Lord, help us to recognize that there's much work that you want to do in our lives to make us people of truth. And help us to pray for that. And help us to pray that for others as well. And to be patient with others when they may not be speaking the truth. Lord, you must do this. We can't do it on our own. But we pray in the name of the one who can do it. Jesus Christ. Amen.